The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 99 of... Yeah, it's that bad. My name is Joel. I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are Ron or Ron Tomatoes and reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2011's The Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn Part 1. Starring Kristen Stewart, Robert Pattinson, and Taylor Lautner. The Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn Part 1 is a 2011 American romantic fantasy film based on the novel Breaking Dawn by Stephanie Meyer. It is the first part of a two-part film which forms the fourth installment in the Twilight Saga series. This film currently holds a 21% Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? Bella and Edward are to marry. Jacob becomes upset when he learns that Bella is planning to consummate the marriage on her honeymoon. The wedding over, Bella and Edward spend their honeymoon on the Cullen's idyllic private island. But to their dismay, they discover that Bella is pregnant, defeated is growing at an accelerated rate and everyone fears for Bella's safety. Will she go ahead with her pregnancy for the cost? The Quileutes close in as the unborn child poses a threat to the wolf pack and the townspeople. Of course. Okay, here we are again back in the world of Forks, Washington with our favorite heroine, Bella Swan. Soon to be Bella Cullen. Ooh, big twists and turns this installment. So, Breaking Dawn Part 1, what is your history with this? I've seen it already and it was uh, it was it was an event. I'll say that much about it. Was it a good event? Was it something I liked? Uh, we'll see. I've never seen this before. Once again, I'm just watching this because this show is making me watch it. I had no desire to watch any of these stupid movies, but here I am. Kevin, I can't believe you're so content to wallow in your own ignorance. You know, there's a world out there outside of Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> You're a filthy liar. Yeah, you're right. There isn't one. <laughs> Why don't you put your Nintendo controller down and experience the rest of the yeah, world? all 40 Twilight books. <laughs> Yeah, I've never seen this movie, and that's pretty much <laughs> that's where my history ends. Pretty but much, but you don't—you obviously have a very engrossed and indebted interest in. At this point, I do, since we've watched every one of these movies. In, but in in our pat case, do yeah, exactly. Oh god, maybe we'll talk about that <laughs> tabloid fodder. Okay, let's do what we always do—the top of the show. We'll discuss these actors one by one, and we'll see how you thought they did. First up, Kristen Stewart. I mean, you might as well just cut and paste my review of her in the previous movie. In the pre- in every single installment of the of the Twilight universe, she is the same. She is... If, if there was a process of unacting, that's what she's doing. She's taking acting from other people. She's like sucking it out. Oh, and she's like, like, like a collapsed star. Yeah, she's... Black she's, hole of <laughs> acting skill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like a neutron star. She's just... Everything is getting condensed into like a nothingness. I don't know. I thought she was a little more lively in this one than the other ones. I she She's, the life's being sucked out of her. She was more lively. I know. Isn't that how ironic? Isn't it ironic? I saw no evidence. you think? I saw no evidence of that. <laughs> where? Point to a place in the movie where that happened. I saw a slight glimmer of hope. Her. <laughs> you were given hope in this movie. Yeah, yeah. A message of hope. So, Kevin, you're not impressed? Case Stu's performance? No. From the first second she's on the screen, it's a disaster. Yeah, right I kind of she's agree. walking in those high heels. Yeah, yeah. It, it was really clumsy. Like, the way she was talking. And her delivery was, was so deadpan. But what about her voiceover in the intro? That didn't oh, give you oh, hope? Yeah, that was... It was a message of hope. <laughs> she dropped some legit knowledge on us. Childhoods end. Childhood has to end. Childhood. 
That's pretty good, right? That was spot on. Listen, she's dropping some legit info on me. She's letting me know some serious truths that I would have never come to on my own. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree with Martin. Can you please just cut our review of her from the previous episodes (laughs) and insert them into this episode? Yeah, okay. I do just Thank you. All right, next up, Robert Pattinson. Face. <laughs> you gotta look like him there for a second. <laughs> you look like they're really intense or really constipated. Or both. I mean, they're not mutually exclusive. You can definitely I'm be intensely, intensely constipated. constipated. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. We've all been there. Is there any other way to be constipated? <laughs> I was, I was very lackadaisically no constipated. Yeah, no one is casually constipated. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to spend a night out of casual constipation <laughs> on the town. So there's... A, <laughs> he's, again, he's he's got this role so locked down that he might as well just be this persona when they start the cameras. Hmm. Like, he's got it solid. He is Edward Cullen. He's a method act. Like yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis. He's yeah. Lincoln. Yeah, he's drinking <laughs> blood. Yeah, in this movie, more than the other ones, I think, it really stood out to me that he almost looks like he's holding back emotion. He is. And specifically, like, there was times where he needed, the, the scene called for him to be emotional, and he was, like, fighting back the emotion. It just, I don't know, it just... That's the, that's how he's written, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, that's what it seems like. It seems almost like he's getting directed to be that way, but I don't know. It's just, why would I want to watch two bland, boring people? Like, let, let these people emote a little bit. It, it's almost like he's told not to let his face move. Now they inject him with Botox, so he can't like his, his lips move like his cheeks aren't allowed to like rise up or anything <laughs> inject him with bell's palsy so he yeah exactly. he's just drooling yeah he's like jr <laughs> <laughs> This movie probably has the best R. Pat's performance out of all of them. He had stuff to do. Usually he doesn't do anything in these movies. Yeah. In this one, he's actually talking for extended periods of time. I'm sorry, he was talking? I heard him mumbling a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of mumblecore going on a couple times in this <laughs> there movie. There was the most mumblecorest movie I've ever seen. There was a lot more emotion between, you know, Robert Pattinson and, and Jacob's character in this movie than there was between him and, and Bella. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. That was bizarre. Yeah. You writing your slash fiction? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yow, <laughs> yow fiction. They're adults in this movie. I, <laughs> school I boys. make them schoolboys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up. Taylor Lautner, Teen Steam Dream Supreme. We didn't get, and I Cream counted, jeans? and I counted this. We did not get 60 seconds into this movie before he ripped his shirt off. Oh, I know, right? We that got was 40, brilliant. We got 45 brilliant. seconds in. They're, that's got to be pandering, right? I can only imagine in the theater people were hooting and hollering the moment he appeared. I did. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I was watching this at, at work. I hope no one from work is listening to this. And I was like, woo! <laughs> Everyone like turned around in their desk. They're like, the, what's going on? Yeah, this guy brings something to this movie that the other two don't. I mean, it, emotion. He's definitely not the best actor. I mean, his line delivery at times is highly questionable. <laughs> is it spotty? Suspect? But... It's comedic. He's doing something at least. I mean, he's he's trying and I gotta applaud him for that. <laughs> okay. Alright. Alright. Was this while he was having that relationship with um, Taylor Swift? Or was this post-Swift? Ooh. This this, this was during Swift. Taylor right? Swift was during Valentine's Day. Which I think was right before they started filming this, wasn't it? Alright, that's just some research after the show. This <laughs> is serious. We need to know. Oh, absolutely. You know, they are never, ever, ever getting back together. I can only hope that's (laughs) who she's singing to. It's the Taylor Lautner. Never, ever, ever (laughs) together. God, that song is catchy. It's ear poison, right? It's terrible, but you hear it, you can't get it out of your head. Is is brain poison? (laughs) 
<laughs> like my my IQ starts to it goes on a pretty pretty steep down climb <laughs> the second I hear that. Okay, so A number one for everyone, right? A for effort all around. D plus. Did either of you guys stay after the credits? Nag. No. I almost turned the credits off like immediately after they came up, but I started like doing something else, like rearranging papers or something, and I left the credits running. There's something after the credits in this movie. We get to see a Michael Sheen scene, and I'll tell you, his 30 second cameo. <laughs> Blew every one of these people out of the water. It is unreal how good his little cameo was. It was funny, phenomenal. It was really good. His acting is just. You guys missed out on something big. Like, I'll put. I'll, I'll have to go home and watch it. I'll put it this way Michael Sheen is one step below. Daniel Day-Lewis, but one step above almost every other actor. Wow, okay. Extrapolate that from from that whatever you want. Yeah, he's a real Rembrandt. I mean, he's like, <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Okay, let's get into the brief history of Twilight, New Moon, Breaking Dawn, Eclipse, Part 2. First sequence. S. Darko. <laughs> S. Darko. Wick Godfrey, producer of the previous films in the series, stated in mid-2009 that they had every intention to make the film version of Breaking Dawn, but Stephanie Meyer, author of the series, explained on her website's Breaking Dawn FAQ that if an adaptation were to be created, it would have to be split into two films because the book's just too long, saying that she would have made the book shorter if it were possible. In March 2010, it was announced that Summit was searching for Academy Award nominated directors to helm the project, with names like Sofia Coppola, Gus Van Sant, and Bill Condon rumored to have been approached to direct. On April 28th, 2010, Summit announced that Bill Condon, who directed Dreamgirls, would direct Breaking Dawn. The birthing scene took two nights to shoot. After the cast had a long conversation with Meyer, a midwife, and a doctor to discuss the mechanics of the scene, particularly to decide the area where Ed should place his mouth to bite into Bella's placenta if the situation could ever encounter in real life. So this movie is 100 percent medically, medically accurate. It was Dr. Laser they were talking to. <laughs> He was an outside source of information. Yeah, he was a consultant. They, they, they contracted him. An animatronic baby was used to film a few scenes of newborn Renezme. The wedding scene in part one was the last scene the cast and crew shot. It was also shot under tight security. A helicopter hovered above the set. Off-duty police officers surrounded the location and sheets and umbrellas were used to protect the set from aerial shots being taken. Stewart spoke about the wedding at Comic-Con, describing it as insane. She went on to to say that it was secret service style. The crew was incredibly inconvenienced, no cell phone, etc. They wanted to keep the dress secret. Concerning the wedding dress, Stuart was locked in a room wearing a Volturi cloak to cover the dress. When creating Renesmee, Condon revealed that Mackenzie Foy's face and expressions will be placed digitally on the bodies of the other actresses playing the same character through the, her various stages of life. The Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1 grossed a worldwide total of how much worldwide? 250. 500. $712 million. A couple of losers. It earned the franchise best $291 million on its worldwide opening weekend, making it the 10th largest worldwide opening of all time. It reached $500 million worldwide in 12 days. Record time for the franchise. It ranks as the number fourth highest grossing film of 2011 worldwide and the 
highest grossing film of the franchise. The film is also currently the 50th highest grossing film of all time. Okay guys, Breaking Dawn, part one. So this movie starts out in typical Twilight fashion. Bella has her little soliloquy while the camera pans over the meadow or whatever. A soliloquy that Shakespeare himself would have been proud of, right Joel? <laughs> he would have been jealous. <laughs> Yeah, as soon as it started, it was like coming home to a house where you were abused as a child. <laughs> so, Kevin, you're saying that as this movie started, all these triggers started going off in your mind, and you started shaking and shivering and sweating. You're like, oh, God, no. Yeah, I immediately <laughs> curled up into the fetal position. And you're like, I smell bleach. And you start shaking back and forth. <laughs> it smells like bleach. Luckily, this, the movie opens up with an aerial descent upon the ramshackled roof of Jacob's house, and he's receiving the, the wedding Im- invitation. He's smelling. Not too happy about it. I distinctly remember when I saw the trailer for this movie. When it first came out back in 2011, I was watching it with uh, my then girlfriend at the time, and we were watching the trailer together. And when this scene happened, I laughed so damn hard. I fell out of my chair. <laughs> Is this not the most melodramatic thing you've ever seen in your life? He takes the wedding invitation, like crumples it up and slams it on the ground in anger and runs away. Like he's so upset. This is the female equivalent to Goku powering up before he becomes Super <laughs> Saiyan, right? Yeah, keep tossing in DBZ references. More. The, the more. More. <laughs> <laughs> He immediately has to rip that shirt off. I mean, he has he has to rip that shirt off that hot beef immediately, right? I mean, we're 10 seconds into this movie. Don't worry. Things are about to get a little wild because we immediately go over to Bella's bedroom where her and Edward are hanging out and Edward, it's got to go on his bachelor party. Kevin, this was very similar to your bachelor party. Yeah, yeah. My friends were jumping up to my second story window, hooting, hollering, diddling each other. We were playing hootie and the blowfish <laughs> music really loud. <laughs> Get a nose in you. <laughs> By the way, did you guys see the, the wedding invitation? Yeah, it looked really nice. It looked super boring. Really? It was like nice script. Super boring. Compared to your wedding invitation, it may have been boring. Super boring. Yeah, I know. That's what I liked about this movie. Like, I kept thinking about Kevin and like, <laughs> he, he lived through this wedding debacle nonsense stuff. So he could have some opinions on this, right? Joel rips his shirt off when he got your wedding <laughs> invitation and ran out of I slammed it down into the mud and it just <laughs> ran off. I was really upset. <laughs> Edward and Bella, they're up in her bedroom. He's like, Bella, I got a dark secret. It's like, you are a vampire. Like, how dark can the secret be? He then proceeds to tell her this story about how when he first became a vampire, he wanted to see what it was like to hunt. So he went off on his own, away from the Cullens, and he was the stereotypical vampire. He would he would wait in the dark. He'd go after people. He'd bite their necks. He'd kill them. He said they were, they were always bad men. He was a vigilante. Yeah, he's Batman. He's a vampire Batman. This drove me crazy because they're taking this character, okay, a vampire. They are, just by the very essence of being a vampire, evil. They yes. kill mm-hmm. for food, for sustenance. They have to eat human beings. But they, they contorted this idea of a vampire and made him go out and start fighting crime. Like, yeah. he's killing rapists I was and this bank too. robbers. And I'm like, okay, so now he's just he's just no longer a vampire. He just isn't anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think if they were gonna do this with this character, it should have been set up immediately in movie one. Right. And not just tacked on to the last... The, the, 
the last movie, basically, of this franchise, right? And what was the point of it? It had no bearing on anything that happened in the rest of this movie. That's a really good point. It took away any dark possibility for Edward to have been bad in the past. It just clarified that he is infallible. This is a character building moment that should have been in episode one. You're right. It should have been in the first movie. Not now. Like, we already know who Edward is. Why do I care, though? That's like a better question. It was almost like one of those things, like, when you're on a job interview and they're like, what's your, your biggest weakness? And yeah. you, like, spin it into a strength. Right? That's what they were doing here. Yep. He was like, I have a dark past. And you're like, oh, man, what has this guy done? Oh, crime fighting. Yeah. <laughs> I saved innocent people nonstop. I can't stop. I couldn't stop. <laughs> This was so I had to stupid. get help to stop saving people's lives. In a movie that felt very long, like this was an extra five, six minutes that didn't need to be there. Essentially, Edward is a killer who kills killers. It's like Dexter. Yeah, except way uncool. Yeah, so he goes on this bachelor party. I can only imagine what mayhem a vampire bachelor party would be. Killing kids. Oh, yeah. Right? Just, yeah. Just, just going on a killing spree and just eating people from all like, over the hey, world. Hey, bro, you're not going to be able to kill a kid anymore as an adult, right? <laughs> you're married. It'd probably be insane, but in this story, I can only imagine how lame it was. what they actually do? They never showed it, right? They just were running around in the woods they, together? They insinuated. Yeah. And, Playing grab ass. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I immediately thought this. He's like, you're not going to have any strippers, are you? He's like, maybe a couple of mountain lions and a few bears. I'm like, he's having sex with bears? <laughs> <laughs> and mountain lions? Actually, that makes sense. Bestiality. That's probably where that's the only, a vampire... Really vampire that's the next step. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's the next yeah. step. Something so taboo that just no one can accept. It. <laughs> when necrophilia is an everyday occurrence, you gotta up the ante, yeah, right? Up the ante is a <laughs> so he leaves to go on his on his rampage through the woods. <laughs> this is what it is, right? He's on a rampage. Yeah. No, they're and, playing rampage on the NES. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Lizzie, George. <laughs> It's 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 bedtime for Bella Swan, right? Sure is. So she got get her beauty sleep, right? So she. Well, has oh, a, by the way, by the way, she's sleeping in her house, right? When she wakes up, she's in their house. How did that happen? She's in the Collins house. I didn't notice that happening. Whatever. She has her dream sequence. This is the only realistic thing that happens in this movie, by the way. If you're going to go through the vampire genre, she essentially has a dream sequence where she's a beautiful bride in white, wearing white, going up to the altar. Her father's there. She meets Edward, and then, uh oh, dream becomes a nightmare. The rose petals fall, and there's just blood everywhere. And there's a, there's a pile of dead bodies, like a drowning pool video. And she started screaming, let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> Yeah, her, I actually, I really liked this scene. Yeah, I Michael liked Sheen how was there. He was there. So thank, it thank was a little <laughs> I liked how her and Edward were like the cake toppers on the top of yeah. those dead bodies. Yeah. I also say this, her wedding dress was like really pretty in the scene. And my wife even said like when the real wedding comes later, she's like, what happened to that really nice dress? Why is she wearing this ugly one now? Whoa. That brings up a question though, right? She knows what her wedding dress looks like. Why is she dreaming a, in a different, why is she in a different dress? I was under the impression that Bella had absolutely no input into the wedding and that Alice yeah. did it all. Amanda Green orchestrated this wedding. Yeah, I, I was under the impression that she did everything. I guess that would fit with her character's typical subordination. Right? Yeah, she wants she, everyone she, to rule over her. You know, this movie looks great visually. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. This I mean, guy knows how to direct. I mean, yep. like, um, we're, we're talking a lot of the negative aspects of the uh, characters that people that listen to this podcast have come to love. But 
<laughs> be that as it may, this movie looks great. Yeah, I think the problems that we have with this movie are the problems with the source material. Yeah, right. Because this is a competently made movie. Right. They did a good job with this. The directing is very well done. Yeah, just the last one was done well too. Visually, it looks phenomenal. We've come a long way since New Moon. Right, right. We have. So, but I still can't get away from the ridiculousness of the material. There's a lot of books and movies out there that you can say that within the plot, nothing really happens. There was no progression. Yeah, and you just sit there and you, but you still enjoy it because you're hanging out with these characters that you like. Like the Harry Potter books are like that. Like they spend a lot of time doing nothing in those books, but it's just fun to be in that world hanging out with those guys. Another movie that I was thinking of, like, I mean, it has nothing to do with this movie whatsoever, but like, remember Friday? What the hell happens in that movie? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. nothing. <laughs> but it's super entertaining because you hang out with these interesting characters oh, and it's funny. Movies. So this movie, to me, feels like it's that movie of the series where nothing happens and you just hang out with these people. And whether or not you enjoy this movie is really going to hinge on whether or not you like these characters. What do you yeah. think of that? I find the premise of this movie interesting, but I don't necessarily like the characters, which will be reflected in my review of this movie. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Martin. There's something happening here. Right. Did anything happen in New Moon? No. Something's happening here the whole time, right? Like, it's we keep working towards something so much so that this whole movie, like, I was looking forward to finding out where it was going to go. Right. I couldn't say the same thing for any of the other movies. Oh, okay, okay. Upgrade. Like, there's suspense because they've lo- they they put a carrot on a stick for me in this movie. Yeah. I'll say that much. Yeah. Well, when I say nothing happens, I mean, like, nothing really big. Like, okay. There's no big action scenes, exactly. really. Like, like, Eclipse had the huge battle. Yeah. New Moon had <laughs> nothing. <laughs> it, had, it had New Moon. It had no redeemable <laughs> value. Next to nothing in it. And uh, the first movie had, like, fight scenes in it and stuff, right? But this movie has, kind of has a fight scene in it, but it's, like, nothing. It's fart in the winds. The fight scenes in this movie are insubstantial. There's no meaning behind them. Yeah, so this is, like, a character piece, this movie. It's all about character development. Which I'm I'm, okay I'm actually going to say that the fight scenes here had a point, whereas the other ones, none of them really did. They were fighting for something that mattered to the plot, the overall story arc of this series. This movie's almost better for not having that, right? Because what would have been the point of having a big battle in this movie? For no reason, It would have right? been just tacked on. Yeah. Then not fighting was the thing that kind of was made this movie interesting in a is way. That, is that what it is? The fighting's so disingenuous that it just makes you angry? <laughs> Maybe that's it. <laughs> Why are they wasting my time with this action scene? <laughs> oh, Kevin, you're our resident wedding expert. <laughs> What did you uh, think of the wedding? It was all right. Not really my thing. I'm not like a woods person. I thought it looked really pretty it, with, the, it, with the woods and the, the weeping willows, whatever the hell those were. <laughs> those trees were ridiculous. They were like weeping willows, but like instead of like having the dropping branches that were like wispy, they were like flowers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it looked very nice. It, they, the they, ceremony itself sucked. It was like they crossbred a weeping willow and like cherry blossom tree from like Japan. Why'd the wedding suck? Them reciting their vows to each other. That was one of the worst scenes I've ever seen. Oh, he was mumbling so bad. I'm like, speak up! I can't hear you! <laughs> and they're both just giving it such a Speaking. deadpan delivery. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> It's like, this is, these are your wedding vows, man. Put some heart into this. I liked your wedding vows. You put a lot of, it's it's like you actually felt something during it. Yeah. <laughs> That's how good your acting was during that wedding. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the first time I watched this movie, You had to I fight had, back tears. I had to rewind the movie to understand what he was saying. Yeah, it's like the warrior's way. <laughs> 
He's just like the Warriors Way guy. <laughs> you know, I, I have some questions about this wedding scene, which I'm sure are probably answered in the book. Who are all these people at the wedding? Are they all civilians mixed in with vampires? I think there's some of her family and friends, but mostly vampires. <laughs> yeah, they were brought in there at gunpoint. They brought yeah. civilians <laughs> off the street. You're going to a wedding. <laughs> Please, no. Anything but that. Well, Kevin, since you're the wedding expert, what do you think of the best man speech? Speeches were horrendous. La- the maid of honor speech the, and all that the stuff. The only speech that was worth anything was the dad's speech. Yeah, Billy Burke. He was killing it. I thought that was pretty funny what he said. Yeah. So he was talking about he knows Edward's going to take care of her because he's a cop and he knows that he's a gun and he knows how to hunt people. To the ends of the earth. Because he's a cop. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Everyone else was terrible. I, I felt awkward and embarrassed for that all was, of them. That was done on purpose though because every wedding speech that I've listened to besides Joel's has been awkward <laughs> and embarrassing. Nice. You know, uh, they kept the tradition of every wedding I've ever been to, the maid of honor speech has been subpar at best. And they kept that tradition going <laughs> strong in this movie, right? Every maid of honor mistake, inside jokes and like all talk that crap. About, talk about yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. Yep. So that was realistic. I guess it was, yeah. When Edward gave his speech, he actually said a pretty good speech. Like He said really nice things about Bella. And I, and I, I wrote down, this is the first time in four movies that I actually got a sense for why these two people like each other. Like, we've been harping about that for the past three movies. Like, what the hell? Like, it, I don't get it. Why do they like each other? But I'm going to make the, the case that this movie and this movie alone really sells the idea that these two people like each other. Like, what we get in this wedding and what we see later on the honeymoon, like, it really looks like they actually like each other. I'll say that they like each other as a necessity to make themselves feel okay, which, again, is super unhealthy. But, <laughs> but at least... I can't I, eat. I can't sleep without you. I can't even yeah, breathe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just stand song. Dare me to drive? <laughs> <laughs> that was his best bad speech. <laughs> okay, so he he says during his speech that he loves Bella because he has this, his whole existence of 100 years he's been alive. He's been having this inner turmoil about self-acceptance. And for the first time in his life, somebody has come along where she showed him that it was okay to accept who he was, which is huge. That's like a self-realizing Yeah, they should have said that they way, sold that earlier. way. Like, And he's like, he's like, I never could have accepted myself my whole life. Yeah, his speech was so beautiful. He's like, he says, she likes me for me, not because I look like Leonardo. <laughs> I really like the line. He was like, no measure of time with you is enough. It will start with forever. That's a pretty good line. Also, also this speech served as a reaffirming moment that he is going to turn her into a vampire. He's like, I accept your wishes and I respect you. Okay. Yeah. I, I, mean, was, like, I was like, wow, you respect her. You have self-realization with this person. You actually care about this other human being that you just married. Well, I feel like I say this every time we review one of these movies, but the last movie was, was really pointless. Now that I see like, <laughs> whenever I see like the next step, I I'm always like, wow, that last one was really pointless. <laughs> like, we should just go from the first one to this one. We go from Twilight 1, where we meet these people, and then we just jump to this, to the wedding and them reaffirming their love and her turning into a vampire. Right, because there just was no character that other crap. Yeah, because two, as we've said a trillion times, nothing <laughs> happened in that movie whatsoever. Nope. Totally pointless. Three, nothing happened in that movie. As entertaining, I guess, as it was to watch, nothing happened in that movie. So, let's just skip to this. Giant things might not be happening. Like, things aren't blowing up. People aren't getting killed. But these characters are growing. So, why not, like, have movie one just blend into this one? All you, yeah, Kevin's doing the universal cash money millions, (laughs) finger rubbing. (laughs) 
yeah, signal. Very, yeah, he's giving a very miserly finger <laughs> finger meetings. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Burns. Darwinian ass. capitalism. One more portion to the after party at the wedding, which I found really bizarre. Edward goes out of his way to get Jacob to come to this wedding. Okay, so. By but, the way, by the way, your ex-girlfriend is getting married. She invites you to the wedding. Do you go? No. No. No way. No, no way. way in hell, right? Unless I'm like a superstar that just got on like Australian internet radio and I want to brag about it. Oh, that's no. a good point. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you could have had this, baby. <laughs> that's why I'm going to my I'm high school reunion. Australia. <laughs> that's why I'm going. I'm like, they let me over down under. <laughs> Yeah, so I can understand Jacob not wanting to go to this thing. Yeah, for sure. But he goes anyway, and Bella is super pumped to see him there. Not only that, they dance. Like, it's not like a friendly... Yeah, she keeps teasing this dude. Like, somebody she, needs to put, she, she put a re- stop to this. Like She rests her chin on his shoulder. Like, are, are they about to start making out? What is she, happening? She literally says, everything's perfect now. Yeah. As in, as in, it was imperfect with you. That Even though I just married you <laughs> 20 minutes ago, things were imperfect with you. But now I'm completed. <laughs> That Jacob is here. And Edward's like looking on, smiling like a fool. Like, what's the matter with this guy? Just he, like in real life, eh, he, Kevin? He, <laughs> like, like the way he behaves would, would make me believe that he has the lowest self-esteem of any being on earth. Cuckold. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Jacob might as well just have sex with her right in front of him. And he'll yep. be like, yes, this feels good for me. This reaffirms my idea about myself. A cuckold now <laughs> slash that, that, fiction. I, that I'm bad. <laughs> <laughs> that scene happens, and it turns out that Bella reveals to Jacob that she's going to be sleeping with Edward post-vampire yeah. transformation. Tonight. Pre-vampire <laughs> yeah, transformation. pre-transformation. Sorry. He's like, tell me you're not that stupid. Yeah, you're joking, right, bro? <laughs> he flips his lid, bro. He freaks out. Yeah, and- come at me, bro. Get <laughs> screams at her. Come at me, bro. <laughs> So he flips out. Apparently the rest of the wolf pack was in the woods waiting for him to flip. They grab him and they're like, it's over because I said it's over, brah. Ow! And they walk yeah, out. Yeah, the, the wolf pack. NWO. They walk out. Yes. Yes. Stay was lowered from the ceiling with his baseball bat. And they dragged him into the woods. <laughs> Okay, so they make their way down to Rio de Janeiro for their honeymoon. There's a lot of dancing, a lot of street making out. Woo! Yeah, what the hell? They're in the taxi, right? Or something. Or yeah, in a, in a car. Yeah. He's like, stop the car. They get out just to make out in front of people? Yeah, they're exhibitionists. Yeah, so they make their way to Rio de Janeiro. He jumps onto a speedboat, like in Vice City, and he's like... <laughs> <laughs> Let's he's go like, get some mojitos. Hey, I know a great I, place. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> he pulled up my <laughs> <laughs> yeah, him and Colin Farrell jumped on a boat and they drove to Miami. Mexico is to yeah, get mojitos. To, to Cuba. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> So they, they jump on the boat like in Vice City and they're driving out to this island that Carlisle gifted to them. They're on this island having their honeymoon and something struck me like almost immediately they're on this island, which they did something here, which I thought was extremely smart move on the filmmaker's part. They lit the scene in such a way that it was all orangey. Right. And so it reflected on Edward's skin in such a way that his yep. skin tone matched Bella's skin tone. So he just looked like a normal dude. Right. Do, do you know what this, right? I like absolutely know they, they, they toned both, it down so much. They both had like life in their face. Yes, like they toned down his white face. Like, remember a new movie? He looked like a. <laughs> 
You look like a corpse. You look like, like, like a clown makeup on. It was so white. Exactly. They toned it down like crazy. And it's for the better. And I have to admit, I actually enjoyed watching them together. Like, this is... It was tender. Yeah, like, the, like they're like a real couple yeah. hanging out, like making out on the beach and swimming together and stuff. They look like real people for the first time in this entire series. Okay, so that is, I mean, that's a great portion of the scene. That's probably my favorite aspect of this movie is that... Yeah, I enjoyed after, this part. A, after this point in the movie, like in the honeymoon, it's it had, there's some human emotion going on here. But my favorite part of this movie, my favorite scene is coming up. She is there. He's going outside to take a swim. Going a little skinny bin. She, they actually show her getting anxious and flipping out about this. She's about to lose her virginity. I did the same thing. <laughs> 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 really identified with her. <laughs> you ran into the bathroom and shaved your legs. Yeah, I did to, to candlelight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was very realistic. It like, was. Yeah. She, oh, yeah. She's an 18-year-old sure. girl. Who's a virgin. She's, she's a virgin. She's never been naked in front of a man before. And she's this super is- nervous about it. She runs to the bathroom and, like, shaves her legs and brushes her teeth and stuff. And she's freaking out. Like, this this humanized her. Which is such a weird thing to say. She's a human being. <laughs> but no. this character, this scene humanized her for the first time ever. Yeah. Like, like I could identify with how she felt. Which yeah. Which is bizarre because she was a robot the entire series before. <laughs> For now, I, I was like, "Who? What is this thing?" Like, like this whole sequence of them on their honeymoon is just excellent because it makes them relatable as people. Like I could relate to what they were doing. Like I could understand. Like I've been in like similar situations like this. Yeah, I, I, I think all of us have been. You've been bruised during rough sex. Absolutely. <laughs> He demands it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is it. This was the big payoff scene is finally here. I mean, the, the past three movies have been foreplay to this scene. We finally get the epic sex scene that- first. That's what this is supposed to be, right? Like, the sex is supposed to literally be epic. So, Kevin, you're our resident sex expert. Sexpert. Sexpert. <laughs> What did you think of this scene? What happened here? It was really weird, right? Because they're, they're, it looks like a standard sex scene from a movie. And then he grabs the headboard and he crushes it with his hand. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of cuts away. We don't see anything except the next morning we see the, the bed has been just destroyed. You know what I thought happened when he crushed the headboard? Like, I thought that was him ejaculating. And then after he's like, he's like, sorry. And she's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, he prematurely ejaculated. <laughs> and she's like, oh, man. Well, whatever. I guess I'm in it to win it at this point. Yeah, he destroyed that bedroom, right? When they woke up the next morning, like, the sheets are torn up, there's feathers everywhere, and the bed's exploded. Yeah, it looks like a Victoria's Secret modeling shoot where they just had a big pillow fight. If he busted her hymen the same way he busted that bed, <laughs> she should be, like, an intensive care unit, right? Yeah, she's got, like, some bruises on her and stuff, but that bed looked like an elephant trampled it. She should be in that machine from Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. I guess my argument during all this rough sex stuff was nice. why doesn't he just lay down? Why does he have to be on top? Why does he got to be the active one? I actually, I know the answer to this. I know the answer to this. Because a man's rightful place is on top. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's it. It's in the Bible. Take what's yours. <laughs> I was talking to my girlfriend about this and she said something to me, which I have heard other women say through the years about this series. Through the eons. Through the millennia, talking about Twilight. And it's all part of the fantasy 
see of why people like this story. Like, why doesn't he just lay down? I'll tell you why. Because it's the whole idea that this guy is so extremely powerful, but he's holding himself back for her. Like, there's all this power that could rip her to pieces, but he, like, controls it for her to give her pleasure. That's, like, an aspect of women's fantasies. <laughs> Right, that's that's, that's Kevin's review. That's Kev, that, that's Kevin's unadulterated review. He distilled a one and a half hour long commentary that I was going to give into a simple sound. Yeah. Really, <laughs> I mean, that's what women fantasize about this sort of thing. Rough sex, rape. Actually, yeah. you sound like you've been hanging out with Adam Carolla and Doctor Drew. Yeah, yeah, Kevin. If you want to read a book that'll flip your lid a billion times. <laughs> I recommend this to everybody listening if you want more of this kind of stuff. It's called My Secret Garden by Nancy Friday. I saw the, the movie The Secret Garden. Yeah, it's about that too. No, it's all about like rape fantasies and stuff. Okay. Because so apparently women love rape fantasies. Okay, so to get away from rape for one second on this podcast. <laughs> we can't. We just can't avoid it. We just can't escape it, right? Okay, so you can't avoid it because when, <laughs> when Bella is done having sex, he Edward is like, let me take a look. And, and <laughs> she looks like a rape victim. Like she has these huge bruises all over her. Any court of law would have seen that and be like, whoa, <laughs> get the rape kit. And he's he's really upset about it. And yeah. she's like, give me more. Okay, so the rest of the honeymoon can be summed up like this. This sucks. We're not getting laid. <laughs> Isn't that the whole point of a honeymoon? Is to have fun with your wife and, you know, Get down and dirty. He doesn't want to. <laughs> he doesn't want to hurt her. Which he has a, a good reaction to this. Her reaction makes no sense. I mean, she's being battered by him, but still wants more. Typical battered Masochist. wife syndrome. Typical battered wife syndrome. I totally understand where he's coming from. Right? Yeah. We've we've all we can say that we've all been in a situation where we like we don't want to hurt the other person. Right? No, I'm or just not. like <laughs> I always, I'm, always, I'm always trying to hurt you, Joel. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> When we're together, it's always <laughs> chaos. Yeah, you guys are both like Mar- Marquis de Sade. You're just want to torture people. <laughs> <laughs> so I can relate to Edward where he's coming from. It makes sense to me what he's doing. Like, like I don't want to hurt you. Yeah. And Bella's like, no, give me more. She's like Susan Sarandon in Rocky Horror. She's like, I, <laughs> yeah. I've tasted yep. blood and I want more. Okay, so... We have this this kind of fun montage, though. Yeah, it, it's it, fun. You're right. It is an interesting dynamic how this whole time at the honeymoon room, Bella's like, will you have sex with me already? <laughs> bag me. Please bag me. Please bang me. I want you inside of me. Hurry up. And he's like, mm, no, no. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with you. <laughs> she is about five seconds away from calling the bang bros. <laughs> Get the job done. Yeah, she's about to jump on the bed bus. You have to drive down from Miami. <laughs> you get the job done right. Yeah, it looks like it's done. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the sleep creep was about to sneak into their bedroom. <laughs> you can't edit this out. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so they had the little playful montage. They played a lot of chess. Which <laughs> was sure I enjoyed. <laughs> I had fun watching that. I'm an <laughs> amateur chess player. Did you notice that Bella kept losing to Edward, but when she finally won, she won by using the white queen, which is what's on the cover of the book. She used blue I eyes. caught that. She used blue eyes, white dragon. Yeah, your move! <laughs> Okay, well, in the middle of this montage, we get a clip of what's going on in Jacob's mind. He's having a nightmare about her, him sleeping with her and killing her. Was that what that was? <laughs> Wait, as you're saying this, I'm like, I don't remember that happening. No? I uh, no, 
he was just talking about it and thinking about it and dreaming about it. He couldn't sleep about it. Sleep and dream about it. I, yeah, I hope he dreamed about it. Take me to drive. Well, it turns out that she eats chicken and she starts to pick it apart and she like looks at it. It's, it's yeah, like, what was that about? It's bloody on the inside. Yeah, and that made her vomit. But then it's like she's nauseous. Is yeah. what they're insinuating that she's yeah. having morning sickness. Well, I was really confused. Plot twist. Uh oh. Turns out there's a little bun in the oven. Yeah, Bella's tam- pregnant. Yeah, Tampax paid a bunch of money to get their product placement in there. Somehow. Yeah, yeah. They start talking about their period. Yeah, like, Bella's great. Like, I'm late. My period's late. Oh. I immediately turn this off because as a guy, I can't know anything about tampons. No good. No good. No go, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's a no fly zone. Okay, so she is late and it turns out that she's vampire teen pregnant. Yeah, they thought it was impossible. Can never get pregnant, but Kevin, I don't know I- why they thought that. She's vampire teen pregnant. Uh-oh. She's heading back home again. Yeah, uh, boy, he don't handle this well. No, 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 no. I thought that was realistic. He was shell-shocked. <laughs> yep, I thought that was awesome. She's like, I'm pregnant? And he just stands like, <laughs> this dead look on his face. I thought it was funny. Like, you can that's see, realistic. You can see his world collapse on him in real time in that scene. It's like, I was going to go to college. <laughs> <laughs> He saw, he saw his future melt away. He was going to be working at McDonald's now for the rest of his life. He goes and he grabs, like, the housekeeper? Yeah, yeah. Some strange person. Yeah, brings I will choose to delete that part of the movie. No, out. no, no, no. I'm glad you brought up this housekeeper thing. They're on the island, right? And this housekeeper is there with her husband, the two housekeepers. And they're civilians. They're just normal people. This movie breaks its own internal rules in this scene because... Edward is out in the middle of the day in a tropical location with the sun beating down on him and he is not glowing and glimmering in front of these civilians. They're not in the military, Joel. Why do you keep calling them civilians? <laughs> because they're not vampires. <laughs> <laughs> and they were 40 clicks away from Edward. <laughs> <laughs> That was great. <laughs> they're they're back in Forks, Washington, and Bella visually has made a market change very quickly. Yeah, this baby's not agreeing with her. No, it's it looks like it's sucking the life out of her. Quite Much literally. Like she has sucked the life out of us, the movie viewer, for the past four movies. So you know what? She got what she deserved. She looks like a cancer-riddled meth head. Were you- A, a were cancer you, patient with AIDS? This was vengeance for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. She got what she deserved. Okay. So you were having a sweet disposition right, right now while she was being sucked of her- uh, yeah, the temper trap was there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to make a statement about the next 40 minutes of this movie. It could have been condensed to five. To five minutes. <laughs> yeah, it definitely could have, especially since it takes two and a half minutes to go from her finding out she's pregnant to her having a, a giant belly. Yeah, the baby's growing super rapidly. But then it takes the next 40 minutes for her to give birth when it looks like she was going to give birth any second. The other problem with the scene that I have is this whole story is a, it seems like a really bizarre warning because I've heard of warnings about premarital sex. That's mm-hmm. There's definitely a, a big cinematic legacy for that with slasher films, but I've never heard of like a cautionary tale for postmarital sex. Is this like a big abortion thing now? It is. It, it's like really heavy handed, like sanctity of life. Let me push this in your face. And, and I thought, 
it just dragged. It dragged. I thought that it definitely dragged. That I didn't need Jacob to like have like a powwow with her, no pun intended, or like whatever. But yeah, there's this huge subplot now about like the werewolves have decided that this baby is going to be a threat to the world and they're going to kill it and kill Bella and Jacob. They have a point, right? Nothing documented on this. This thing could come out and be a huge giant monster demon for all they know. He's, yeah, you're right. They're right. Could be the Antichrist. They, they said that the baby could be, it's going to be insatiable because you can't control it and it's just going to have all these powers and it's going to run around and kill. So it's a good idea to kill it now. Nip it in the bud. Jacob says, no, he won't let them kill Bella. He says, I am rogue.com and <laughs> <laughs> runs off. <laughs> he's going to protect the baby and Bella and all that stuff. And well, it, he wants to protect Bella. Yeah, yeah, whatever. He said he's going to kill the baby. Edward is hell bent against this baby. He's like, he hates he, it. He hates it. If you die because of this baby, there is no way in hell I could ever love this thing. That's pretty no good. No way. Yeah, I like this too. Yeah. But then all of a sudden his psychic powers start kicking in and he can hear baby's thoughts in Bella's womb tomb. Garbage. You don't like this? A baby doesn't have thoughts. This is a vampire baby. This baby is all knowing. Yeah, it's an omniscient baby. That's even more reason That's to what kill Stephanie this Meyer thing said. immediately. Well, Kevin and I both agree that you get a kid who starts exhibiting powers, you gotta nip that in the bud. Yeah. A-S-A-P. Yep. You can't let that simmer. Nope. You got a little kid and he starts levitating things with his mind. Gotta go. <laughs> gotta go. Because if he doesn't start killing other people, he sure as hell is gonna kill you. <laughs> yep. If not accidentally, maliciously at some point, right? Gotta go. There's If there's anything that movies and television have taught me, it's that fact. Kill your kid. You gotta kill your kid. <laughs> If anything, Elfin lied, Tommy. It's that. <laughs> you should you should be ashamed of yourself because you keep bringing up Elfin lied. Okay, so look, I'm just going to cut to where Bella is full term and the baby, she's drinking the blood. It's giving her some strength back. But all of a sudden- hey, all of you, please drink up this blood. <laughs> it's this is my Everlasting blood. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Bella says that she drinks it. Did it look like your back broke when she went to fall? Yes! Oh, yeah. What is, yes! Oh, yeah. What is that about? Oh, I started laughing so hard. It was funny, right? Say this up. Explain what happened here. <laughs> She's drinking the blood. She's like, I feel it pretty good. Yeah, blood smoothie. <laughs> yeah, this, this this blood's pretty good. Thanks, bro. <laughs> and then all of a sudden she's like, <laughs> and her back just like cracks. And she she makes a perfect right angle with her body. It does. It, it looked like a J-horror <laughs> shot. <laughs> oh my god, absolutely, because it was so fast and jittery. Yeah. Be that as it may, she's downstairs on the delivery gurney. It's not a bed. It's not not a table either. I don't know what it is. It's like a Yeah, they have a maternity ward and in the Cullen household. You didn't you didn't know that? So she starts to deliver the baby. And this is the world famous birthing scene that we've heard so much about. There's not enough time. It's wait for the morphine to kick in. She's the morphine addict. So this is the big famous scene in the book that we've all been waiting for. So for those who don't know, spoiler alert, in the book, Edward has to rip the baby out of Bella's belly with his teeth. He gnaws her out. Om nom 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 and tears it out. For a man that has trouble controlling himself drinking blood in the first movie when he drinks Bella's blood. How is he capable of doing this? He loves her. He loves her so much. Bella is dead at the moment. Save who we can at this point, though. The baby's still alive. That She dies. He doesn't care about that kid. He's gonna 
take a look at himself. Yeah, it didn't look that way when he was holding it. Well, they do the classic, typical movie BS garbage here where he grabs a giant syringe and injects it into yeah, her heart. Yeah, fiction all over Exactly. Again. I was tired of that crap. This bothers me because his venom is just his saliva, right? Is yeah. that what it is? Semen. So. It's, it's a got, semen. That's what it looks like in a syringe. <laughs> yeah. Pure vampire <laughs> semen. Pure vampiric living dead semen into her body. Not working. Jacob looks at him. He's like, oh, I liked it. What Jacob said to him. I liked like, this a lot. He's like, before the baby was born, Edward told Jacob, if Bella dies, I give you permission to kill me. Just, just end it. And then when Bella dies, he, he says to him, I'm not going to kill you. That would be too easy. You deserve to live with this. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, it was good. You know, you're going to suffer. See ya. Suffer like G did. <laughs> <No>! <laughs> We see baby Renesmee's face. I'm going to say that it looks extra stupid. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's this little <laughs> fake robot CG baby. face is terrible. Well, all of a sudden, somehow he's capable of seeing her entire life fold before his eyes. That also was extra stupid for me. Yeah, is that like a new power for him or something? When, when did he get that? So Jacob imprints on the baby. For those who may have forgotten, imprinting is what werewolves do when they find like the love of their life or whatever. And they mark their territory and they're like, they're linked yeah, he forever. Pees. He pisses all over. In her. that baby's mouth. Yeah. <laughs> marks it. So yeah, he like drops to his knees. He's like, oh. Sweet, bro. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, bro. Yeah, so the implication being that Jacob wants to bang this baby. That's what I got from this. That's yep. what I got from it, yeah. too. That's what I chose. He seriously wants to bang this baby hardcore right uh-huh. then and there. He uh-huh. wants to max hardcore this baby so bad. <laughs> But he's going to have to wait, I guess, like five days because this baby's growing so fast. It's going to be like a grown woman in a month or something. Yeah, I think so. So he won't have to wait long. Yeah, everything's working out for Jacob. Good for him. But, you know, I would love it if the endless loser cycle with Jacob just continued (laughs) and like this baby grew up to be a woman and just rejected him anyway. (laughs) (laughs) The woman who imprinted him. They have this throwaway fight scene after this. Yeah, who cares? Whatever. And Jacob's like, oh, I love her, bro. They're like, oh, okay, we got Oh, go this was so clumsy, I thought. Deus ex machina garbage right here, where Jacob comes bursting out of the house, and he's like, oh, I've imprinted him. He doesn't even say. He doesn't even say that he imprinted, but the other werewolves, they can sense it, and Edward is like, Jacob has imprinted on my baby. <laughs> it's lazy. That's it's it so is. lazy. He's like, it is their highest law. They, they can never, never imprint. Break it. An imprinted person. It's their most sacred law. It's so lazy and cheap. I hated this. That was yeah. just crap. Yep, that was bad. We fast cut back to Bella's face and it, it shows her body healing itself in some CG that eh, is kind of like Metroid Prime level CG. <laughs> yeah, it was like, like the uh, the opening, the opening <laughs> title, screen. title screen for Metroid Prime, which was a great title screen nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. So Bella's disheveled corpse starts reanimating itself and the movie ends like a horror movie or something like close above her eyes it's like dun 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 her eyes burst open and she's she, awake she has beautiful makeup on in this in, in this scene yeah which, a corpse a beautiful corpse whatever that's twilight breaking dawn part one <laughs> <laughs> let's find out what the real critics had to say about this movie The sexless, bloodless, padded, and plotting Breaking Dawn Part 1 is the worst Twilight movie to date. Peter Travers, Rolling Stone. Condon delivers the most authoritatively directed Twilight film so far, which only brings into sharp relief how tonally incoherent its story is. Dan Coy, Village Voice. And finally, the absurdity quotient of the movie begins high and rapidly escalates to bedlam. Colin Covert, Minneapolis Star Tribune. Okay guys, this movie currently holds 
holds a 21% on Rotten Tomatoes, but is it really that bad? This movie is very competently directed. It looks good. And the story, if it was coherent, would have been told phenomenally. Like, the directing is not the issue. The acting, though, is on par with the other movies. It's just abysmal. The, you, you know, this movie has something, though, in it. As far as character development goes, that kind of grabs me. And I'll say this much about it. The first time I watched it through, I was interested in, in seeing what happened to these people. Which is bizarre for this movie. Because I couldn't care less than the rest of them. I just kind of wanted to see vampires fight. That was the only draw for me and the other one. That being said, 21%, I think that's kind of low. That's like lowing it. I, I, I think it's suffering from the other movies, like some backlash, critical backlash. I'm going to say that this movie is, I'd almost give it a three, but I'm, I'm going to go with, with a high two. It's not terrible. It's, you know, it's all right. I, I, I didn't have trouble watching it. You know, I feel like the last movie, we were with it for most of it, right? Yes. And then the, the, it's like the first half was good and then the second half sucked. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because this technically is just the first half of this story. I liked it. I'm going to give this a three out of five. It's a lot of build up to something. And I have the anticipation of something happening. I know I'm going to be extremely disappointed with what happens and with the payoff here. But I didn't have this, the big stupid battle like the end of the last one did that was devoid of any emotions or anything. I just had this story about this girl being pregnant with something that we didn't know what it was and really wanting to know what was going to happen. Like I was with it the whole time. I never got bored. I never was going to fall asleep like I was with New Moon. This movie has tons of problems, but it held my attention better than any of the other movies did. Yeah, I'm with you, Kevin. I like this movie. I think 21% is too low. I think this is the best one. I'm going to go on a limb and say this is the best one, which is surprising because I went into this movie expecting it to be terrible because all the reviews just talked about how this movie is absolutely pointless and worthless and nothing happens and it's garbage. But I, I thought it's the best one out of this, out of all of them. Like, like you said, I wasn't bored. I consistently watched the whole thing. I didn't check the time at all while I was watching it. I don't know. I think this is the best made out of all of them. And I got to give it credit for, like I said before, this is the first movie out of four of them that made these characters actually seem human. Like you actually cared a little bit about what was going on with them. So yeah, three out of five, which is amazing to think that we liked it more than our resident Twihard here. But I guess your standards are way higher than ours. I, <laughs> I didn't fall asleep during this movie. That was that was the bar it had to get over. All right, let's read some listener mail. Randy writes in and says, Hey guys, went to the midnight showing of BD2. I actually really liked it. Anyways, just thought you would want to know at the end of the credits, this is Breaking Dawn 2, when they show everybody who's ever been in one of these movies, and on each one, people would clap and cheer. And in Jacob's case, everyone did the woo! But when they showed Kristen Stewart, it got dead quiet. <laughs> and then everyone just started laughing. Even me. It was awesome. <laughs> What do you think of that, Kevin? That's pretty The funny. ladies universally love Taylor Lautner, but they hate Kristen Stewart. Oh, she's a... Uh, she's a homewrecker. Yeah, That's true. Maybe, maybe that was fresh in their minds. I'm sure it was. I haven't forgotten. <laughs> Never forgive. Never, Never forget. forget. <laughs> Never forget. Okay, John writes in and says, Hey guys, me again. I enjoyed what you said about the Warriors way. However, there's no Warriors way that any of the plot points you pointed out were noticed with only one viewing. That leads me to my question. How many times do you usually watch a movie before you feel comfortable enough to record a show. And also, have you ever wanted to do a movie but didn't feel that you could competently review it? Well, John, it may surprise you to hear about our methods, but uh, why don't you guys take it away? I'll preface this by saying that this isn't how we started. How we do it now is very different than how we started reviewing movies. Now, we all watch it separately and we take our notes. If something is confusing or nebulous, I'll go back and rewatch it again. But a lot of times, I don't even care enough to do that. (laughs) 
to be honest. I just don't care. I mean, we for we the do. Warriors way, Martin and I watch it together once. We watched it. It was done. And then we recorded like an hour later. Yeah. Not even. I mean, we used to have to watch a movie a few times, kind of. Remember in the beginning? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've gotten a lot more streamlined I, with our methods. I've had to rewatch movies because like the recording failed. Like um, I watched The Proposal twice and uh, Pretty Got Fingered, I think, maybe. But yeah, that's about it. Oh, oh, oh. I rewatched Buckaroo Banzai because I didn't understand it. That That's the only movie I rewatched twice because I didn't get it. I'm going to say that my average is probably less than one times because I've never gone back and watched anything more than once. And some of them I fall asleep during them, so I don't even think I've seen those whole movies. There you go. Okay, Miles writes in, and he's going to set you straight, Kevin. When I was listening to your last episode, I heard the words, Gatling gun fired off someone's shoulder. My interest was Pete. Well, I looked at the clip, and sorry, that wasn't a Gatling gun. That was a Maxim machine gun. The devil's paintbrush, one of the major things that made World War One so horrible. Cool scene, though. I have seen a German MG-42 fired off the shoulder like that. You probably would be deafened by that experience, though even if you had a hearing protection. Also, Maxim guns don't burn through barrels or people's shoulders because they have a metal jacket filled with water around the barrel. Gatling guns don't melt either because they have three to seven barrels which rotate so no one barrel is subject to too many bullets going through heating up the system. All things considered, I can't imagine a man with a Maxim being defeated by ninjas. Looks like this movie was quite a slog. Mm, Set me straight. Yeah, it's pretty good. Eileen writes in and says, love the show. This podcast is my top most eagerly awaited one each week. I've always wondered for a bunch of random dudes that are friends to get together to record a fantastic sounding podcast. What equipment and software do you use? There's so many recording device and software options out there. I imagine it isn't too extravagantly expensive. Although I'm sure you've been able to upgrade since the beginning. Would very much appreciate your insight. Thanks, Eileen. Well, in the beginning, it was a Behringer (laughs) all the way from the top to bottom. Yeah, we were the Behringer boys. Yeah, it really was. And it led us to dizzying heights of superhuman (laughs) audio quality. Yeah, that too. (laughs) Yeah, it was terrible. Oh yeah, we're using Shure SM7B mics. And those are the mics that we use now. Before they were Samson CO1s. Exactly. That's my review of those mics. All right. Thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us and send us a question, a good question, because next episode is episode 100. So I want episode 100 worthy questions. Yeah. So send us your episode 100 questions at yesatbad at gmail.com. I'm confused. You want 100 questions? I want 100 questions about episode 100. Okay. Now it's time for the question of the week. And guys, I have some sad news. It's been a tradition on this podcast that whenever we reach it any major milestone that I cut something from the show <laughs> something's gotta go you know last time it was the voicemails well sorry to say that uh, question of the week has seen its last sunrise oh no it's gotta go so as a final question of the week I am gonna take this moment to do something useful with this opportunity we're gearing up to do some more premium podcasts what movie would you like us to do for our next premium podcast. Head on over to yesthatbad.com. Leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. The last time ever. Thank you. Okay, now it's time to announce next week's movie. And as I mentioned earlier, it's episode 100. Yay! We did it. We did it. We did it. 
So there's, there's been a lot of speculation as to what would we review. You know, it could be anything. Could be everything. Could be nothing. Who knows? Hmm. Right, Kevin? <sighs> I don't even know. I don't know either. Well, I thought we could do something cute this time around. We could take some time to reflect on all the years that have melted away while we've done this podcast. Countless Friday nights that have dribbled have down our chins and dribbled endlessly into the horizon of eternity. Yeah, into the void, the ether. The snake eats itself, Martin. Of course. You know what I'm talking about. Ouroboros. Of course. The end is the beginning is the end, Kevin. The beginning is the end is the beginning. <laughs> that, that too. <laughs> and we're starting over from where it all began and we're going to re-review one of the most popular movies that we've ever reviewed on this show. The movie that is consistently rated as like one of the most downloaded episodes <laughs> and like the most searched for term that we've ever gotten on the podcast. We're going to re-review episode one, The Unborn. So we're going to re-review the movie and do it right this time. So it'll be fun to see us compare and contrast the two, like episode one and episode 100 to see how we do. Because I've completely forgotten this movie. Tune in next week where we're going to return to our roots and re-review The Unborn. Now that I think back, Warrior's Way, baby. Breaking Dawn, baby. (laughs) Unborn, baby. Kevin, could this... I see a theme here. Hmm. Yeah, what is that about? I wonder what that could mean, Kevin. I don't know. Well, tune in next week to find out. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please help spread the word of the show to all your friends by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash bad. You can follow the show on Twitter at bad. You can follow Martin at Martin. You can follow Kevin at yeahitsKev. And you can listen to the show on all your mobile devices via Stitcher. And don't forget, you can still get all our premium episodes at yeah it's that bad dot bandcamp.com once again thanks for listening to the show see you next time Do you think Edward eats tampons? He sucks on it. Like a snack? It's a lollipop oh God, for that's him. disgusting. It's a lollipop for him. It's gotta that's be. That's so disgusting. Why are you grossed out by that? That's, that's so disgusting. That's one of the most disgusting things I've ever thought Just about. picture it. Just, just think of it just <laughs> dribbling down his chin. <laughs> picture him making sucking noises like he's eating a peach. Yeah, like a lollipop. Like, Why are you guys relishing this so much? Mm. There's just a little applicator string hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah, oh, he my with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs>